Fika with Anika. The word fika is used as both a noun and a verb and is derived from the Swedish word for coffee. The Swedish coffee break is a moment to literally leave work behind. Taken at three in the afternoon, it's not a strategy for multitasking or for fitting in another mini-meeting. It's a chance to relax in the company of colleagues or friends. The key is to pause your day. So, brew up some coffee, grab a seat, and embrace Fika. So, welcome. Here we are. It's Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock, and we're sitting back with another cup of Fika. Today's guest is uh, ANZA resident uh, Donna Bradley. Uh, some of you may know her fondly as the Jam Lady, but that's not the reason why I asked Donna to come in today. Uh, uh, Donna has a fascinating career in genealogy, and that is where the discussion is going today. So with that said, welcome, Donna. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So how long have you been doing genealogy, and what, what, what triggered your passion there? Since um, about mid-1980s, er, <laughs> <laughs> about 1980s, um, my grandmother was tracking it. Um, my grandmother is a full-blood native, and but her parents took her away from the tribe, and she did not even know what tribe she belonged to. And so, as a result, she spent her life trying to track it. Of course, that was the days before computers and before all the um, availability of information. And everything took a year to find out one little tidbit of information. So, um, I mean, she knew who her parents were. And she knew where she was born. And she knew the various tribes that were up there. But she did not know which one was hers and because back in those days it wasn't a good thing to be a Native American they were mistreated um, there was actually a genocide going on um, against the Native Americans um, Native Americans could, didn't even become citizens of the United States till 1924 and uh, some of them didn't become citizens until the 1960s I mean, some of the tribes? Some of the tribes. I have been to one tribe that's very local here that didn't even have electricity till 1998. So people, when they think of the tribes, they think, <clears throat> they think of the casinos and all the money. And surprise, it's not like that. There are some tribes that are rather wealthy. But the majority of the tribes aren't like that. Yeah. I can remember, um, like, in the early 80s driving through like New Mexico and so on and just yeah seeing um, mobile home mm -hmm. parks that were obviously Native American and it was uh, I, I remember with great sadness that uh, that uh, that they had to live that way but uh, <clears throat> things have changed and uh, oh yeah things yeah. have changed I know my mother now, this is my mother. That's not too awful long ago, okay? That's in the 1900s. And um, 
my grandmother could not um, have my mother in a hospital because my grandmother was Native American. Excuse me? She was not allowed to have my mother in a hospital. Hospital rules? Uh, Government rules. What? Yes. Oh, you're giving me goosebumps. This, This is horrible. Yeah. Well, my mother was born in a barn. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And things like that. Because um, my mother actually went back to Indiana. And Indiana was way, 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 way backwards when it came to Native Americans. But because my grandmother was Indian, my grandfather tried to have her able to be admitted to a hospital in California. And they would not allow it. So he took her, my grandmother, back to Indiana, which is where my grandfather's family came from, so that the family could help her deliver the baby in the barn. Out here, yeah, this it's rather I, amazing. I don't know what to say. Yeah. Out here in California, it's, um, a lot of people have heard about the old oak tree that's out of Pachanga. Yes, I've actually seen it. That old oak tree has seen many, many births that were born under the oak tree of Indians. So that is where, where the women would go, hold on to the tree and... and Some of them. To stand and deliver, basically. Some of them up until about the 1920s. In the 1920s, um, on Saboba Indian Reservation, came the Saboba Indian Hospital. Um, it's only been recent that they've made available the information as to um, who was born and died in that hospital. But for approximately 20 years, um, all the natives from all over Southern California went to Saboba to get sick and die, to have babies, to... It was the Indian hospital. Now there is no, quote, Indian hospital unless you go out to, I think it's in Phoenix. But like, if I get sick, I can go to any other hospital now because the um, Indian health is is contracted. Um, I spent a couple of weeks in the hospital at the beginning of the year and I went to Temecula Valley and I went to uh, Loma Linda. But... Well, I was going to say, because uh, you're one quarter Indian. Yes. Uh, so that that entitles you to the Indian health care, um, if I'm understanding this correctly. But um, most Indians eaten... are entitled. Okay. Once you can prove it. Can I go to an Indian health care center? Do you have a CDIB? What's that? Certified degree of Indian blood. It's... I do not. I'm biking. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but if you had yes a certified degree of Indian blood which means you have to be part Indian. The blood quantum, for the most part, is pretty irrelevant because it's pretty minute. Um, But you have to, in order to get that, you have to prove your Native American ancestry. But once you get Indian health, there is medical, dental, vision, psychiatric. um, uh, There is education. There is... There's a lot of things that are available now to the Indians. Right. So this is just a recent development, and, and I'm assuming it's, it's excellent health care. Yes. Uh, you know, so if you had a choice, you probably would go then there rather well, than... Well, I spent two and a half weeks in the hospital, and it cost me my signature. Does that work? Oh, that works for me. 
Yes. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they sit there and they say, well, wait till you turn Medicare age. Okay. Well, when you turn Medicare age, you still have 20% you have to pay. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. You don't have to. No. Oh. Um, even when you have a supplemental insurance, you have a copay for your medicine. I have my signature. That's my copay. You know, I had no idea. And we're getting <laughs> off track of the genealogy, but this is Not also, really. Uh, well, this yeah. is one of the reasons a lot of the people go to genealogy. They go to, they want to know several things. One, they want to know about their ancestors. They want to know about their family history. Um, some of them think they're going to get a check. That's not going to happen anymore. You don't get a check. I don't care if you're 100%. If you're not in the tribe by the 70s, you're not going to get a check. And you okay. can't be born into it now either. or Oh, you or, can be born right, into right. it. Okay. If yes. your parents are already and they enroll you within, I think it's the first year to two years of your life. All right. Yes, you can be born into the money. Okay. Um, Pachanga's like that because you can't join Pachanga anymore. They have they have slammed shut the door on anybody. You could walk in there, be 100% Pachanga, and could not join the tribe. But... If you go down to Pachanga, you'll see a bunch of blue-eyed, blonde-haired kids. It's because they have no blood quantum anymore. And they go down there, and those kids are actually receiving um, Pachanga money. And um, because their parents and their parents' parents and their parents' parents' parents were all on the rolls, and they were all enrolled Indians. I see. So it's all on lineal descent, as far as a lot of the tribes. Um, but I don't know anybody that's authorizing payments on anything yet <laughs> not okay. at this point in the all game. right all right so i'm not going to get rich by marrying an indian then. no no okay although you could get the medical if you married an indian oh okay because my husband is um mr irish scottish english german and he has the same benefits i have as long as he's a good boy and i keep him in my house <laughs> <laughs> Hear that, Mike? Babe. <laughs> no, it's kind of I, I laugh and joke with him, and it's only a joke um, because a lot of people say, "Well, gee, that's a very prejudicial thing to say," but it's not. And that is, I deal with so many Native Americans from multiple tribes, and he's my token white boy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, that's funny. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, so uh, most of the people that come to you for your help. Uh, are then of Indian descent, or...? There's a lot of them of Indian descent. There are some that come to me, and they come from the tribe that I refer to as the wannabe tribe. Okay? They want to be Indians so bad, but they're not. Okay? <laughs> and things like that. So, yeah. I also work with a lot of the tribes. Um, some of the tribes still work on blood quantum. Um... I believe a lot of the tribes out of San Diego, San Pasqual, um, Rincon, La Jolla, um, some of those tribes that are down along 76 work on blood quantum. You have to have a certain quantum of blood. And if for some reason the tribe thinks you don't have the appropriate quantum, they can disenroll you. And I've had people who have said, well, I qualify, but my kids don't qualify. So I need to, you to do some research on my family so I can find out if some of these other Indians are of 
my particular tribe. Now, you have to understand when you look at a tribe, um, Rincon is not a tribe. It's a band. Several bands make a tribe. They are all the Luceno tribe. Pachanga is Luceno tribe. It is a band of the... If you walk into their lobby, it says the Pachanga Band of the Luceno tribe of Native Americans. I've seen that and wondered what that designation mean, meant. Yeah. Okay. Because you can have several bands to make a tribe. Okay. okay. Anyway, so um, you have all of those and things like that. So you have... When the tribes or the bands, actually, want to disenroll you because you don't have enough of that band's blood. Um, just like today, there's a lot of intermarriage. And there's even intermarriage among the tribes. And this has gone back to... I, can, I actually have access to some of the Indian birth and death records back to 15-1600s. Basically back to the time of the Catholic Church. Okay? And that means all the missions and everything else. Right. So, um, you have all this information and stuff like that, and it's like, um, Rincon became a band with a reservation in, it's either the 1870s or the 1890s, I can't even recall exactly when. But what happened before then? They were still the same family. But they were in, for example, a, an Indian village called Kukwi. And there's another village down there which is primarily um, La Jolla Indian, which is Yapiche. And there's all of these Indian villages. There's Topome. Topome was kind of like the Los Angeles. Everybody went there from every, um, from all the tribes. And things like that. It was kind of like a central trading location. All right. And things like that. So you have all of these. But that doesn't make them any less Rincon blood. You know, because they came out of Kukui. Or Las Flores. Or whatever these other um, Indian villages were. And that's where... You learn a lot of history doing Indians. <laughs> I can only imagine. But it seems uh, just a little bit conflicting that there's records available based on the Catholic Church influence, but then you had babies born underneath trees. And, you know, so so I'm guessing that there's quite a bit of information that has been very hard to, to get a hold of. Well, first of all, what you're getting from the Catholic Church is baptismal records, not birth records. Oh, see, there you go. Okay. <laughs> okay. And you're getting um, last rites, not death records. <sighs> um, the Indians had two forms of marriage. They had the Indian ceremony, and then they had the Catholic Church ceremony. So that's how that comes about. And there was no record keeping in, you know, with the Native Americans. It was, the Cherokee Indians back in the late 1800s came up with the first alphabet. Late 1800s. So it's, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> wow. 
Okay, I don't even know what to ask at this point. Well, you have to understand, pe what people don't understand is they go, well, my great-grandmother was born in 1890 and I can't find her birth certificate. Okay, I don't care if they're white, green, or purple, pink with purple polka dots. You're not going to find one. The federal... Um, um, Federal government didn't come up with the idea until 1905 that you had to have a birth, death, or marriage record. And then you have about the next 10 years where each state took their own amount of time figuring out which one it is. Of course, if you're an Indian, you're not a U.S. citizen. You're an alien, okay? You're like an immigrant, except for you just happen to be here first. Okay? So, <coughs> therefore, they don't have the records. But you also have to understand that Guadalupe Hidalgo was in eight, about 1850. That's the treaty that made California part of the United States. Prior to that time, Arizona, Texas, New Mexico, Utah, Colorado, Nevada, and California, and parts of Oregon were all Mexico. So where are you going to find your records? In Mexico. If there's any records. If there's any records. Now, if they happen to be Catholic, you'll be lucky and find them in the Catholic Church, as long as the Catholic Church has not burned down <laughs> with all the records. <laughs> so when people say, oh, well, I'll just go on Ancestry and I'll just find this, that, and whatever, it's like, good luck. <laughs> you know? Right. Because you're not going to find them, especially right. when it comes to the Indians. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I just never even, I, I'm flabbergasted, and, and I apologize for being so ignorant that I never even <laughs> thought of that. You know, we just assume that, you know, that yeah. it's all available, and, you know, especially now with the internet, it's like, oh, no yeah. big deal, and, you know. But see, I specialize in, you know, I'm a genealogist, I can do it all, okay? <laughs> but I'm, I specialize in Native American, because... I picked up when my grandmother took off, or left off. She died in 89. You know, for some reason, four years before she died, I got interested. Talk about passing the buck. Anyway, so I started tracking my own. And I discovered that not only was I Indian, but I was part of several different tribes. I'm a member of the Wintu tribe. All 250 of us. That's what's left. The Wintu tribe? They're Wintu. They're up in Northern California. Okay. Okay. But, in tracking my family history, I'm also Pitt River, Shasta, Modoc, and Hoopa. Okay. Ooh, so what do you do and with that information? I just keep it in the... but Because you're only allowed to join one tribe. Okay. And so... Um, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm a Wintu, and um, I, I chose Wintu. Wintu chose me, whatever the case may be. Mm. Um, and I'm very proud of my tribe. My tribe has withstood so much. There was, um, back in the 1800s, at the time of the gold rush, there was approximately ten to 12,000 of us. But you have to understand that when 
when they discovered there was no more gold in California because I mean, everybody had grabbed it, what do these guys do for a living? Well, when Abraham Lincoln wrote the Emancipation Proclamation in the 1860s, it is written in such a manner where it's referring to the black man. It frees the black man. It does not free the red man. And a red man could be enslaved up until the ni 1924. Okay. Wait, not just <clears throat> not just voting rights. You're talking actual enslavement. Enslavement. Let me tell you. They're, they're, okay, you go ahead, because because <laughs> I don't I don't know what let, to say. At okay, this time. let me okay. let me tell you one of the, some several of the things that happened. There was an actual genocide against the Indians in eighteen, I believe it was sixty. There are some government records um, that came from the Senate, the U.S. Senate, that says our purpose is to um, annihilate the red man off the face of the earth. Okay? It's genocide. Okay? <clears throat> and I have actual copies of it. I wrote a book on the Native Americans of San Diego County. And in that book is the actual copy of the document that says that was their purpose. They put out a um, bounty on Indian scalps. We are taught in school that the Indian would scalp the white man. Reality. They had this bounty, and the only way they could collect the bounty was to have proof that they had killed an Indian. So, the white man would scalp the Indian, because you can only, you only have one scalp. Okay? Um, the thing is, is this bounty doesn't say man, woman, or child. They would, in a lot of cases, San Manuel and several of these other tribes that are around here, they would wait until the men would go out on a hunting party so they could feed their family. And the elderly men and the women and children would stay in the in the um, villages and the white man would come in um, kill the children still in their mother's arms they would kill the children they would rape and kill the women they would kill the elderly men um, and they would scalp them and they would collect the almost the equivalent of a month's pay for each scalp This is what the people did to make money after the gold was gone. See, this is not what they teach you in school. I don't know how to take this. And, um, I mean, I, I'm sitting here literally in tears. Yeah. Uh, that is just, uh, yeah, yeah, the shame involved with that. Um, okay, continue. Yeah. No, it's, it's, a, it's a situation where... You ha in order to trace the Indians on genealogy, you have to understand the history. Everybody says, well, I can't find this, you know, and I know she's an Indian. Okay, now look at the history. There's a genocide. There's a bounty on your head if you're scalped and you're dead and you can't have children in hospitals. You have no medical care. Um... You have all of this, and then if you have children, when they've finally gotten to the point where they're going to civilize, quote, the savages, 
and they steal your children and put them in um, Indian schools. We have one right here in Riverside County, Sherman. And they put them in the schools and they shave their heads and they're not allowed to speak their language and they're, they're not allowed to be an Indian. They, they are trying to convert them to white men and things like that. Now, you take all of this stuff and they can barely survive or they're enslaving them. And I'll go into enslaving in a minute. Um, would you want to be found? No. Okay. And that's why it's so hard to find them. Okay, and when I say enslaving, even um, back in the time, a depression time was really good at this. What they would do is, when it was a, a crime to be a vagrant, you know, it's not like that anymore. Now you can go park your tent out in the middle of L.A. and you're fine. But at one time it was a crime to be a vagrant. They could put you in jail for being a vagrant. Okay, and this was, I don't care if you were white, green, yellow, whatever, okay? Um, but when it comes to the Indians, what they would do is, to be considered not a vagrant, you had to have a job. So they would go up to the Indian and they say, do you have a job? Well, I take care of the fields and the, the farm. I farm for my family. Now that's a job. That's like a mother taking care of her children. That's a job, okay? So who do you work for? Well, I work for myself on my land, which is actually reservation land, raising my family and taking it. So you're not working for anybody? No. Arrest him. He's a vagrant. They would take him down to the jail. Okay, now back in those days, you didn't, um, it wasn't an automatic three squares and a, and a roof over your head. You ate if somebody brought you a meal. Okay, so, okay, they're in this, this um, jail, and for being a vagrant, the judge says, okay, I'm going to fine you X amount of money. Well, obviously, they have no money, because Indians don't work off of money. They trade, you know, and things like this, but that's not money. So they would go, okay, well, I'm going to fine you $100. Okay. They would find some white man or somebody up from Mexico who, who had been in the area forever, a lot of these dons and landowners that were up here, and they would pay the fine. And the Indian would agree to work off the fine. Okay. If the Indian was white, he got paid. Or I'm not, that made no sense. If the person was white and they worked off their fine, because this would sometimes happen in vagrancy cases with white people as well, then they would be paid $20 a month. If you were an Indian, you were a savage. Therefore, you worked off at somewhere between 3 and $5 a month. Okay. Jeez. You get this done, and you go, okay, and the caretaker of the Indians would sit there and say, okay, um, I have to release you now because you've handled your, your uh, um, fine, etc. The Indian would never make it home. 
he would be walking on his way home, because nobody's going to deliver him, come on, you know. And he would be walking on his way home, and before he got to the village, somebody else would pick him up. Are you working? Who are you working for? And here we go again. Over and over and over and over again. So, okay, and what happens to the families that are left behind? The They're... tribe takes care of them. The band takes care of them. That's, that's one thing. Oh. The band takes care of their own. That's one thing that's wonderful about Indians. You know, um, and to this day, the bands take care of the other tribal members. Now, the, the people that were enslaving them, was it government or, or were they given to families? It, it or? could be Joe down the street. He would come in and say, I will pay his fine, but he has to work off his fine for me. Is that not slavery? Uh, <coughs> yes, it is. Yes. And this would go on over and over. And sometimes they'd get home. They'd actually get home long enough to get their wife pregnant. And off we go again. <laughs> right. Uh, now, so it would be advantageous to, to have an interracial, or not interracial marriage, but, uh, uh, you know, to be Indian and marry a white woman? With, no. no. Okay. Because then the white woman would be treated like this. It didn't work in reverse. You didn't get a status improvement by marrying a white person or after the slaves were freed, a black person, which happened quite often. That didn't happen. You didn't get an improvement in your status. They got a degrading in their status. So that would be pretty gutsy for someone to, uh, to marry a quote-unquote savage or... Mm -hmm. Or black. Oh my God. My grandfather was pretty gutsy. His first wife was a Polynesian princess out of Hawaii. And uh, they split up. He came to California and he married himself an Indian squaw. Although you don't say squaw. Squaw is actually a bastardization of the slang. It's like using an N word for a black person. I didn't know. Yes. Okay. A lot of people don't know. No. But that, that was his favorite saying. And it, I didn't understand it until long after he was gone that it was actually very slanderous. And um, it actually caused my grandmother to divorce him after 51 years of marriage. Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> I think. You know, yeah, I think, right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Pika with Anika. K-O-Y-T-L-P, Anta, California, your public radio station. The National Weather Service issues red flag warnings and fire weather watches to alert fire departments of the onset or possible onset of critical weather and dry conditions that could lead to rapid or dramatic increases in wildfire activity. A red flag warning is issued for weather events which may result in extreme fire behavior that will occur within the next 24 hours. A fire weather watch is issued when weather conditions could exist in the next 12 to 72 hours. A red flag warning is the highest alert. During these times, extreme caution is urged by all residents 
because a simple spark can cause a major wildfire. A fire weather watch is one level below a warning, but fire danger is still high. The type of weather patterns that can cause a watch or warning include low relative humidity, strong winds, dry fuels, the possibility of dry lightning strikes, or any combination of the above. Please be aware of red flag warnings and fire weather watches. Be vigilant to protect our beautiful mountain home. Attention Mountain residents, the second Saturday of every month there will be a free food giveaway at the Anza Electric Cooperative at 10.30 a.m. until 11.30 a.m. That's 584-70 Highway 371. This food giveaway is made possible by the Anza Electric Cooperative, Find Food Bank, The High Country Conservancy, The American Heart and Stroke Association, and Borrego Health. Bring your reusable bags and go home with free food. Borrego Health will be on site to schedule appointments and provide information. Volunteers are welcome, and if anyone is interested, please contact Yuri at 951-763-4333, extension 221. That's a food giveaway the second Saturday of every month at the Anza Electric Cooperative. K-O-I-T-L-P Anza. Welcome back to Pika with Anika. So I think oftentimes with genealogy, people think of the Mormon uh, church. Okay, the Mormon church is really good for the white people. It is lousy for the Indians. The, the, they have the records. They don't know they have the records. The Mormon church is wonderful when it comes to their records. But when it comes to actually knowing how to track people, they're not the best in the world. Um, they've been doing it for generations. And... They have set up, if you're Mormon, there is every source in the book you can possibly imagine to prove your ancestry. If you're not Mormon, you're pulling teeth. I use a lot of the Mormon records. Um, we have a Mormon genealogy center right here in Anza. It's open on Wednesday afternoons and Saturday mornings, I believe, here at the Mormon church. Most people don't know that. I was just going to say, I had no idea. I need yes. to put it on the ANSA calendar. Yes. It's open to the public. It's you open to the public. In. You do not have to be a Mormon. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, so it's, and they have incredible records. Absolutely incredible records. They just don't know half of what they got. Okay. Or how to use them. Well, obviously, it's based on an, a you know a, a pre-internet system, mm -hmm. uh, right? So you really have to dig into the records. Oh yeah, you're uh, looking you can't at just do actual, search and oh no no, you're looking at actual microfilm, one document at a time. It's like I go down there when I'm trying to pull um, 
oh, baptismal and marital records out of um, San Luis Rey um, Mission. They have them down there. They're not searchable. You go through one at a time, and they're all in Spanish, so you get to translate them one at a time. <laughs> oh, the, oh, yeah. Oh, the challenges you have to go through. Oh, yeah. So, uh, uh, how far back do people usually want to go? Uh, do they go until they, when you're doing a search on, on your on your family tree, how far back do you go until you just can't go anymore? Or do some people well, it just... it depends on I, what your purpose is. If, uh, if you're well, looking for Native American, you go back as either A, as far as you can go, or B, until you hit your Native American. But if you want to get technical, there are people that go, I want to go back as far as I can go. And I have a couple of lines on my tree like that. And guess what? I'm related to Adam and Eve. And I can prove it. Because if you ever pick up your Bible, and you, it says, so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. And what is that? Uh, that's your family tree, right? Okay. Exactly. And that takes you all the way up to the Twins of Terra. And at the Twins of Terra is when the, um, I believe it's the British government has all the registries. You think about it when um, uh, Diane and Charles got married and when all of the royalty gets married, they take them off to the side room and they sign the registry book. Yes. They have the registry book back to the Twins of Terror. They have them with all the royalty when they're intermarrying country after country. Sweden and Russia and France and Germany and all these and they're marrying into the they have them all so how far can you go Adam Eve is that, that far is... enough for you <laughs> <laughs> I haven't found their parents yet okay <laughs> oh, so I watch uh, Finding Your Roots on PBS yes. you yes. know that's really pretty interesting stuff but they, also, they always I end it with a, a DNA search. Is that something that you help with too? Or? Yes and no. Let me explain to you about DNA. DNA is, um, especially, I'm, I'm going to refer it to looking for Native Americans. Okay. Um, and, and you get a DNA test and it says, um, I have people call me, I'm 14% Native American. No, you're at least 14%. Okay. But when you're looking at DNA, you have to understand. First of all, you have 23 genes that you get from mommy and 23 genes that you get from daddy as a potential. So let's do this hypothetical. Mom, let's take a deck of cards. Mommy is the red cards. Daddy is the black cards. And you take 23 of each of those and you shuffle them. Now, you're only going to have 23. So now, let's dish out 23 cards. Okay, that's you. Now, let's take them and shuffle them all together. And let's dish out another 23. What's the chances of getting the same one? You're not. No. That's your sister. Do it again. That's your brother. Do it again. You see what's happening? Now, can you be Indian? Um, half Indian and not get any Native American blood? Yes, you can have a false negative. Can you get 
a partial um, positive. Yes, you can. So it's not a. I have a prime example. Totally <laughs> yeah, prime example. My oldest daughter, who actually did commercials um, for um, Pepsi, Latin commercials, because they can do her eyes and everything, darken her hair, and she looks exactly like a Hispanic person. And uh, we did her DNA. She does not have one drop of Indian blood. Now her sister. She's your daughter. Her sister, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed one I was talking to you about earlier. Yeah. She's got native blood. But that's because my oldest daughter didn't get dished out the Indian gene. Right. My younger daughter did. Same daddy, same mommy. Surprise. So, yes, the DNA works. And yes, you can actually track people through the DNA. Um, but not everybody. All right. Because they can drop out. And a lot of times Native American, because it's a recessive gene, drops out. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yes. You have recessive genes and you have um, genes that aren't and you have, you know, it goes it goes crazy, you know, trying to, it's, it's like um, calico cats. You don't find one that's a, um, a male unless he's sterile. Can't be done. You uh, know. I see. But you find them female all the time, and they're fertile myrtles, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it's all genetics. Genetics okay. is a whole world in and of itself. But with the cards, that's the best way I can explain it, how it works. Right. So it seems you need to travel to do some of your research. You need to go to the actual missions and, and look at the, uh, at the records. Or how far do you go for a client or for yourself? It depends. It depends on on. I never get a chance to do my own anymore. Are you kidding? <laughs> no. Uh, it depends. I I um, last year I went up to um, uh, Washoe County, Nevada. Okay. Up by Reno. Yeah. I was chasing down the Washoe Indians. I had a lead on something the tribe didn't even know about. There is a. Um, a very famous Washoe Indian female. Her name is Datsalali. She um, was a world-famous basket maker. And I mean world-famous while she was alive and she was an Indian. And um, she married... Uh, oh, horse. Black horse. Chief Black Horse? Who was known as Charlie? Okay. Okay. Um, because they no longer recognize chiefs in tribes. You're now a chairman. You're not a chief. Okay. So Charlie married her after he had his children by his first wife and all this type of stuff and things like that. He had a son named Charlie. And based on Indian custom, if you believed and could prove that your spouse was cheating on you, you could kill her. 
and in the middle of Carson City, he proceeded to pull a bullet through his wife's face. She was a half Indian, okay? And they put him into the state pen in Carson City, and in a matter of days, they hung him. He was following Indian custom. He is buried in the um, cemetery um, that belongs to the prison. They would not return his body, even though he was the son of a chief, to the tribe because he was the son of a chief. They did not want a big ruckus. So there was all these things going on. Well, I was trying to track down who his wife was, and I found out who his wife was, and she was half Indian, and then I said, okay, fine, I know who her mother was, but now i got to find out who's the, who's the white man that got in the middle of all this. And, um, I mean, was it a matter of rape, or was it a matter of they actually had a relationship? Um, and things like that. So I was up there putzing around. I've also been to... Um, uh, done research out at like Lake Havasu, Chimawavy tribe. Um, they have uh, um, the Col Colorado Indian Crit, Colorado River Indian tribes, which is a conglomeration of all a bunch of small tribes that have gone, gotten together as one band. And that sits out in, um, oh, they have an office in Parker and they have one in. Um, Lake Havasu City, and they have one in, you know, stuff like that. And so I go out there. And it just, it depends on where they're, um, they're going. And I have people that come to me. I have one. Um, we've been working on his case for quite a long time. The problem with him is he's a southern boy, right in the middle of all the Indians. And they never claim to be Indian. They all claim to be white which is typical, um, and things like that. He's actually coming out to see me next week from uh, Virginia. Oh. Oh, yeah, we, go, we do a lot of traveling. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went to um, Costa Maya and spent a day with a... Um, I don't know where Costa Maya is. It's in Mexico. Okay. It's down in the Western Caribbean. Oh. And I went down there because I, um, I spent the day with a um, Inca... Indian family. And I've been to um, Canada. Canada has a whole bunch of Indians. You notice when they say Native American? Yes. They don't say Native North American, South American, Central American. They're Native American. Uh, uh, <clears throat> okay. So yes. from the bottom of South America all the way up to the Arctic, those are all Native Americans. And I do them all. Wow. That's rather comforting in a way. <laughs> you know, that that for once that we're not dividing people, and yeah. that you're actually, you know, yeah. having a unified factor yeah. there. So. Well, people, it's like we were talking earlier about Mexicans. And I was saying the Mexicans and nationality. It's not a race. And a lot of the Mexicans don't even realize that. It's like saying a lot, of, what national or what race is American? Um, yeah. could be one of any. Yes. Yes. Mexico's the same way. What race is Mexico? Cortez came in back in the 1500s. He and, his, and the people from the Iberian Peninsula, which is uh, Portugal, Spain, that area right there, 
came across to, I think they were looking for, I don't know, China or something or other, and they ended up down in South America, okay? Now, when they arrived, there were 105 men. Four of them brought their wives. What did the other 101 do? Went out and pillaged and raped. Or, or just integrated? Integrated with the Native Americans. So where do we get Mexican? Well, they come from down there, and they start traveling north, and the conquistadors, as they traveled north, and they brought all of the um, Catholic fathers that came up and built all the um, missions and stuff like that, and um, enslaved all the Indians by this time to build the missions, because the Catholic Church did not build the missions, the Indians did. And they were enslaved by the... Um, Conquerors. The, the conquistadors and the conquerors, okay, to build them. Anyways, they brought them up and they came north. And you think about it as they watch, as you're looking, what they do teach you in fourth grade about the missions. You go up and this mission and then this mission and then this mission, all the way up California and things like that. Well, this is how the people traveled. And so they travel from all the way down in South America, all the way up through Central America, all the way up through... Um, Mexico and into California. But they're not Mexican. They're still Iberian Peninsula and Native American. You can take... Iberian Pen Peninsula is Spain. Is Spain, Portugal, okay, etc. Right, okay. Yeah. It's that peninsula out there that's kind of got these mm -hmm. countries sitting over there. Yeah. And they're all over there. So they're Caucasian and they're Native American. You ever look at a Hispanic from Spain? They're blonde. Yes. I have, yeah, I've met some. And it's a, for some reason it's a, considered to be like a joke. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. But now you understand why. Yes. Yeah. And this sounds like it has nothing to do with genealogy, but it does. Because you have to understand all of this in order to find the ancestors. Uh, so I think one misconception is that, that is that you just think that you can get on the internet. You sit at your computer and you do all, all kinds of research. But you're actually boots on the ground, uh, or, or flying to, or somehow, and going out there and reading microfish, and going through old uh, uh, records, and I'm, you know, mm -hmm. I'm doing turny pages in the air here. Mm -hmm. Um, and what's really fun is so I have this, to tell this you, is yeah. not something that I come to you on Monday and you have it to me on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me while I laugh. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. It doesn't happen that way, and that's because a majority of the records um, either a have not been found. National Archives, my friend at the National Archives, they know me so well. But seriously, they do. Um, they have what they call categories for each type of records. And they have the Series 75. That is anything, anywhere in the United States that has to do with Native American. And I know I have actually proven Native American ancestry by finding, there was this one case, I found a, an Indian agent who was doing a census 
record in, uh, I believe it's Central California, about 1860, on a tribe that did not, they're still fighting to get their recognition, let me put it this way, as Indians. But this Indian agent came out, and it was talking about this Indian lady who was so very helpful, and she had two children named X and X, and she was married to a Mexican man named Sylvester. That was my guy. I just proved that, that she was Indian. <laughs> Instant presto? Instant wow. presto, but that's one pieces, piece of paper in millions. And they're not divided by tribes. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Section 75? Series it? 75. Series 75. Yeah. Wow. It only has multi, 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 multi million records in it. Interesting. And that's, that's and where you're looking you for a go. needle in a haystack. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have helpers? Are you on your own? For the most part, I'm on my own. I do have a couple of people um, that I can go to. Um, if I find... Um, a record that I know is in Series 75, and I know approximately when it is, I have enough people down there at in Paris where I can call up and say, I need... This and this and this, and it's on this paper. They will look it up, and they will send me a certified copy of it. But I have, you have, have to, to get specific. I have to have already found it, so that they just look it up, copy it, and send me a certified copy. Sounds mm -hmm. fascinating. You must be up burning midnight oil all the time. I can only <laughs> imagine. <laughs> you know, it's sometimes I sit there and when I'm searching a record and I'm running out of ideas on where to find them. And uh, I had one. Um, there was a, a girl by the name of Judah Sparks. And she, this was the ancestor. And she ran away from home Father's name was Samuel. I forget who her mother's name was. And she married, she lied about her age, and instead of using the name Judah Sparks, she used the name Julia. No, I take that back. Her middle name was, her name was Judah Ann. She used the middle name Annie. When she got married. And she married the guy before she slept with him. Okay. And Whitmire was the guy she married, and Whitmire comes from Indian ancestry. Heaven forbid this reverend's daughter, Miss Goody Two-Shoes, marries an Indian, you know. Doesn't happen back then. Anyway, um, they had several children, and then he ran off. She went back to her parents. 
And you can find the kids at listed as Whitmire on one census record. Then they all disappeared into thin air. Okay. We ended up going to the courthouse in Oklahoma to find the actual divorce record. And back then, divorce was a major no-no. Right. Um, that gave her kids, custody of her kids, to her parents because she was divorcee. She had no right raising children. She married another guy and died. And all that happened in about a four-year span. Okay. I find her over here. And she's a Sparks. I find her here, you know, a couple years later. She's a Whitmire. No, she's a Sparks. She's a Spark. Her children are Whitmires living with her parents. And she's, five years later, she's gone. She died. I don't know if she died in childbirth or what she did. But she died. And it was like, really? And this was all before 1905, so there was no death record. Right. <laughs> so, and it was in Oklahoma, which 90% of that population is Indian, so they didn't have anything until about 1924. Gotcha. So, yeah. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Fika with Anika. Conversations are fluid. This episode of Fika with Anika is over an hour long and will continue after the top of the next hour. Stay tuned to KOYT 97.1.